0: Welcome to another inspirational teaching from the neighborhood church. We pray that you be blessed by it.
1: Um, I'm super excited about today's service um, for many reasons just because it's another day to be with all of you, but also because it's our family service. So if you haven't noticed all the children running around the sanctuary, I'm going to point them out to you. <laughs> and so um, we're excited because it's not just about having our kids in the service for our March Gladness weekend. It's about us as a church, as multiple generations, worshiping and hearing the word together. So I'm super excited. Um, this uh, March Gladness that we decided upon is not to be confused with March Madness, which I didn't even understand was a thing until I started telling people I was had a weekend called March Gladness. And they said, no, it's madness. And I'm like, what do you mean it's madness? And then I was informed about basketball. So now I'm in the loop. Now I know what's happening, and I'm excited. So let's pray as I open up God's Word today. Lord, I thank you so much that I'm able to be up here today. I thank you that we can all celebrate and praise you all together, all these generations in one place. And Lord, I thank you. I just thank you for this family. Like, it really feels like family to me tonight. So I just give you the rest of the service. In Jesus' name, amen. So in preparing today's message, it took me quite a bit of time, if you ask anybody in the office. Um, I haven't ever preached with just a topic given to me. So often I've preached and taught. So it was quite difficult for me to prepare this today. Plus, I also have a partner that I'm going to introduce, you know, towards the end of my service. He's going to actually make what I say even better. So he's going to join us in a little bit, but first you get me. So, um, but as I was writing and writing and writing and throwing it away and throwing it away, I actually came into the sanctuary on Tuesday and started praying about it, and God said to me, Gasmine, I already gave you your message on Monday. And I'm like, right, I remember. And instantly, after hours and hours and hours, actually days of work, it was all thrown away, and I had my message instantly. I just needed to go and look up scripture and figure out how it was all gonna come together. And it's really funny when that happens. So. What's my moral moral of the story there is listen to God, (laughs) because it tends to work. So uh, we're going to look in Psalms, the book of Psalms today. So if you've got your book with you, the Bible, or your electronic version, I will be jumping around in scripture today. So let's see if you can keep up. If not, I've got it on the screens. So the first scripture we're looking at today is in Psalms 16, 5 to 9. Lord, you alone are my inheritance, my cup of blessing. You guard all that is mine. The land that you have given me is a pleasant land. What a wonderful inheritance. I will bless the Lord who guides me. Even at at night, my heart instructs me. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and I rejoice. My body rests in safety. My heart is glad. I will rejoice. This was hard for me on Monday. These long, cold January and February days have finally passed, right? We see spring, we see summer ahead, we see vacation, and of course, Easter is coming so quickly. And to me, Easter is truly the season of giving. I mean, it's when the world was completely changed. I needed to take a moment, and I want us to take a moment, to see, as that holiday is approaching, are we approaching it with a glad heart? Can we rejoice? So my morning that morning, on Monday morning, was rough. And most of my mornings are actually quite rough. Uh, Both of my sons suffer with some stuff. And um, I was told that I was stupid that morning, and that I was hated, before 7.30 a.m. had even happened. Um, And a few months ago, I was told my sister has cancer at Christmas time. We had someone lose a baby we've had people here lose parents and siblings and people are suffering and people are suffering with anxiety and what else is there and then Monday I hear about the plane crash the Ethiopian plane crash my heart was heavy It still is heavy and I struggle to rejoice in those moments and I'm telling myself, not again, like, what is happening? This isn't fair. I'm sure we've all said those types of things before. Like, are we there yet? Like, where is this inheritance that you're promising me? So, sometimes when I'm looking at life, I actually feel like it's going in slow motion. Like I'm watching this giant merry-go-round in these moments, and I'm looking for this place just to jump on and not break my neck. But I'm standing there still doing nothing like where's my joy in those moments where's my gladness in those moments am I even thankful for Jesus and what he's done so after I get bad news I go for a run many of you know that this is a time to just unpack my thoughts and align them with the mind of Christ Pastor John's been teaching on this in order for me to live right I need to think right and that's what I was going to do in that moment so I, <clears throat> I usually run with worship music in these moments. So it's kind of an attempt to exercise my flesh and my spirit all at the same time. I'm a classic multitasker. It seems like God in these moments knows exactly what I need to hear just by the way the music shuffles. It's always on shuffle. It's always on random. And this particular morning, the song that Harvey just sang came on. You have made me glad. And my first inclination was to hit fast forward and to skip it. I wasn't feeling it. I wasn't happy. I wasn't glad. My joy was barely even holding on. I wanted a fresh anointing. I didn't want this old worship song that I haven't heard in forever. That wasn't helping me. But then the words started to massage my heart. And tears actually started to flow. And there was a combination of sweat and tears and I began to sing so I hear her singing I will bless the Lord forever and I'm thinking uh, I'm having trouble with that today not not today and then she says I will trust him at all times I'm like I am not feeling like that in the midst of my pity party with everything going wrong he has delivered me from all fear oh so is that like is fear attacking my face I'm thinking Then, she says, he has set my feet upon a rock. Oh, yes, I'm starting to remember now. I will not be moved. I kind of pick up my pace a little bit. I'm feeling a little bit better. And I'll say to the Lord, and I start singing. And I'm pretty sure the guy with the dog that was walking down the Trail heard me singing because (laughs) I'm not very good. Um, And then I'm now, you are my shield. You are my strength, my portion, my deliverer, my shelter, my strong tower my very present help in time of need. And I'm reminded that God will meet you right where you are if you invite him in. Worship invites the Lord into your life, whether whether you're here or there. He will meet you and take you higher and wider and deeper and longer than you can ever imagine. In Ephesians it says, and may you have the power to understand as all God's people should how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ. Though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with the fullness of life and power that comes for God. I needed that reminder that day. So we're going to look in Psalms 92, 1-5. to It is good to give thanks to the Lord to sing praises to the Most High. It is good to proclaim your unfailing love in the morning, your unfailing, uh, your faithfulness in the evening, accompanied by the ten-stringed harp and the melody of the lyre, You thrilled me, Lord, with all you have done for me. I sing for joy because of what you have done. O oh, Lord, what great works you do, and how deep are your thoughts. It's difficult to comprehend the vast parameters of God's love for us especially in a world larger than life. It's overwhelming, it's confusing, and most times it's completely contradictory to the Kingdom of God. And it's difficult to experience this constant joy and peace in the wake of chaos. It's not impossible. I believe it's simply a choice. It's it's really good to give thanks to God. It's it's good to sing praise to the most high God. But if you're waiting for the perfect day to do that, you're going to miss it altogether. Scripture says, as the farmer who waits for the perfect weather to plant, God loves you. Whether you woke up this morning feeling that or not, God is in love with you. He has proven his love for you. We must proclaim God's love in our life each morning as an indication of trust that no matter how you feel, that you know that He loves you. And at the end of each day, the fact that we even made it through the day most days is proof enough that He is faithful. It doesn't matter if everything didn't go our way. As a child of God, we need to trust the plan that's before us, His plan. Even when we don't understand it, we have to just trust in the trust in the hope that Jesus can bring. So, we're back to my run, so now I'm worshiping, I'm feeling joy, I'm feeling gladness, I'm now rejoicing and weeping, and I'm willing to admit that's actually a very strange sensation when you're sweating from every single pore and crying on the Miwasan Trail, and God just shows up as you're huffing and puffing along, but I, I wouldn't have cha- changed it for anything, obviously. So that moment that the presence of God God arrives, his peace overtakes the wildest hearts and the most random of my thoughts to confirm that he is my joy and my strength. God has made me glad. I am now reminded in that moment all the miracles that are around me, the people that are around me, who I get to celebrate Easter with, my family, all of you, and it's just keeping reminding me and making me feel better and better in that moment of this love and this faithfulness of Jesus. So the way I see it is that gladness that we're talking about today is a heart condition. Gladness is a feeling of joy or pleasure, delight or pleased. It's demonstrating joy in our actions and our facial expressions that gets a bit tricky. Like you have to listen to your words that you're saying to get a clear indication of the condition of your heart. What do I tell the kids upstairs? What goes in is bound to come out. Garbage in, garbage out. Right? Look in the mirror. Can you see the joy of the Lord in your face, in your expressions, in your worries, in your doubts, in your fears? Let's look at Paul. The Apostle Paul, he echoed this truth. Writing to the church from his prison cell as he awaited a trial in Rome, not knowing whether he would be condemned to death or set free, This is what he says. So remember, in a prison, could die. And this is what he says. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content, and in any and every situation, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all these through him who gives me strength. What does Jesus say? Well Jesus Christ was full of joy and gladness. In Acts he says, "No wonder my heart is glad and my tongue shouts his praises. My body rests in hope." And a couple of verses down, he says, "You will make me full of gladness with your presence." In Psalm 16:11, David reinforces this when he says, "In your right hand there are pleasures forever." Since Jesus was full of God's joy and gladness, and we are Christians, if we are going to grow to be like Christ, well, then it only makes sense that we'll be growing in God's joy and gladness. We can't find this type of joy and gladness on earth. It doesn't matter if it's in people, in here, drugs, books, movies, toys, computers, cars. Alcohol, coffee, games, I mean, there's millions of things that this world has to offer, but true joy and true gladness come from God. So now I'm back on my run again. I can feel God in my spirit saying, gladness is an expression of willingness. Hmm. An expression of willingness. Okay, that's right. So are you glad to worship the Lord here tonight? Or do you do it just to do it? Do you do it to get something? Because the children of Israel did not serve the Lord with joy and gladness, for their abundance of yoke of bondage was upon them. We are given the primary duty and profound privilege to serving the Lord. It is when we do it with wrong motives that we step back into this bondage of performance and out of the parameters of trust." IT IS WITH GLAD AND A WILLING HEART THAT THESE THINGS MAKE IT INTO OUR LIVES. SO LET'S LOOK AT PSALM 101 1-2. SHOUT WITH JOY TO THE LORD, ALL THE EARTH. WORSHIP THE LORD WITH GLADNESS. COME BEFORE HIM, SINGING WITH JOY. THANKFULNESS IS NOT SEASONAL. IT'S NOT A SPORT. WORSHIP IS NOT JUST MUSIC AND SONGS. Praise is not just provisional. It's not just for Sundays or for Saturday nights. Or when things are great, or just to ask him for something. It's a part of serving the Lord with gladness or willingness of your heart. It's a privilege as he makes good on every promise with every detail of our life. He doesn't need our help. He just needs our willingness to serve him in all things And listen in all seasons. Because that's usually the tricky part. We're going to look at Psalms 18 in a minute. And it's super, super famous. I'm pretty sure everybody has heard somebody say this to you. But giving the Lord each new day to work with by surrendering it first thing. So this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and we will be glad in it. Please, Lord, please save us. Please, Lord, please give us success. Here you go, Jesus. Do something with it. Meanwhile, I'm going to surrender my heart and thankfulness either way, and I'm going to worship and praise you either way. I surrender my hopes, my dreams, all for your inspection and for your follow-through. Change my life or reshape my heart. Whatever gets me closer to you, that is what I want to do. I humble myself. I yield my life to you. I give it to you gladly. In Psalm 69, there's quite a few. Lord, today, if, if I find joy and gladness in nothing else, let me worship you because you reign. In First Chronicles, you are more than enough. You are my contentment and satisfaction. No matter what circumstance or situation I face, I will bless the Lord at all times. Or how about in Psalms, many sorrows come to the wicked, but unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord. So rejoice in the Lord and be glad, all you who obey him. Shout for joy, all you whose hearts are pure. And in Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble. Oh, it's just my screen then. Okay, good. I'm glad you guys have it up there. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. A river brings joy to the city of our God the sacred home of the Most High. God dwells in that city, he cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect it. The nations are in chaos and the kingdoms crumble. God's voice thunders and the earth melts. The Lord of the heavens army is here, among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Gladness and willingness is this channel of tapping in to the joy of the Lord. It is the river that runs from his presence to the heart of his people. It's the living water that is flowing from our bellies. God is your strength today. You can count on the Lord to satisfy your soul. That is what joy is. That is what gladness is. Joy is defined as an emotion that is produced by a great happiness caused by something exceptionally good or satisfying. To be glad to serve the Lord with a willing heart allows us for full access to the joy of the Lord that changes our perception here on earth. Faith comes by hearing the word of God and produces confident hope that we can trust the Lord in all things. It is in the place of hope that we are willingly and gladly serve the Lord, producing joy that overwhelms us even in grave adversity, opposition from the enemy, when the enemy tries to steal it or kill it or destroy it because our inheritance, joy and peace and love, among many other things, is secured in God's presence to which we have free access to. We cannot earn it. Free access to it through faith and righteousness. You can literally step in gladly and experience the joy of the Lord every single day. Every day. No matter the situation, every day serve him gladly in all things and you will experience an overflowing of god's unfailing love like never before you will be glad for no other reason than jesus christ in corinthians uh sorry second corinthians paul says three different times i begged the lord to take it away each time he said my grace is all you need my power works best in weakness so now i am glad to boast about my weaknesses So that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in weakness and in the insults and the hardships and the persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So will you be glad today? Despite whatever you're going through, the details, the delays that seem to make us doubt and to fear... Will you boast gladly in the strength of the Lord who gives you that strength, who enables you? The power of Christ rests upon those, all of us, who are willing to say, I am weak, Lord. I need you, Lord. He rushes to those who say, take control. I can't go any further. I can't do this alone. He rushes there. He's he's looking for that. God's grace is sufficient for you today, all of you, church, all of you. His love is ready to be poured out in your life. He wants to clothe you in it. The early church focused on spreading the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And despite the horrible persecutions, even death, they served the Lord with gladness. Souls were added to the kingdom daily in their ministry. Can we do the same? The gladness and willingness to serve the Lord, it will end up producing his glory, life, saving souls. So before I bring our my helper up with me today, I want to share a story that I read about Mother Teresa. I'm pretty sure every single person here knows who she is. But this is Mother Teresa. And I don't know about you, but when I think of Mother Teresa, this is literally the image that comes to my mind. It's almost always with a smile, or it's on her knees, or it's serving. Almost always is what comes to mind. But when I read this article, an article by David Scott, he shared about some letters that were found from 1957 that she had written. And she's bearing her soul in these letters to her spiritual director. And this is what they said. Lord my God, who am I that you should forsake me? I call, I cling, I want, and there's no one to answer. Where I try to raise my thoughts to heaven, there is such a convicting emptiness that those very thoughts return like sharp knives and hurt my very soul. I am told God lives in me, and yet the reality of darkness and coldness and emptiness is so so great that nothing touches my soul. In my soul, I just feel terrible pain of loss. Of God not wanting me, of God not being my God, of God not really existing. That terrible longing keeps growing, and I feel as if something's going to break in me one day. So why do I tell you this secret letter? Because, you know, it could change your opinion. But see, it wasn't an act. We could sit there and say, was it all an act? And she was always so happy, and she's serving. But I actually think the opposite. I actually think she appeared to be giving us a modern-day flesh-and-blood example of what it means for Christian joy. The fact that while she was alive, and we never even had an inkling of how she was suffering, only makes witness to it even more. And she wrote a lot on joy. This is what Mother Teresa said. It comes, she said, from being close to Jesus. Or as she put it, joy is a sign of union with God of God's presence. She always told us that joy wasn't simply a matter of attitude and putting on a happy face. Joy was hard work. It was always hard. All the more reason why we should try to acquire it and make it grow in our hearts. That's how Mother Teresa lived. Even the littlest tasks could be a beautiful sacrifice that she offered to God. And She came to believe that her spiritual anguish over time was a sign of her deepening union of Jesus, sharing an experience, a very small amount of being forsaken at the cross. The smile she flashed was genuine. I believe that. It sprung from this joyful heart of one who had given herself to God completely. She showed us that joy could be a spiritual weapon and that smiling could be an evangelistic tool. In Psalms 34, 1 to 3, it says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make it boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I have news for you. The world's probably not going to get any better. Our inheritance is closer than we can ever imagine. Now is the time to be serving the Lord with gladness as we're preparing for his return. Stop focusing on all these earthly things and let's step into this supernatural presence of God by just faith and just hope. He will satisfy your soul. He will pour out your peace. Joy will overflow into your life, through your life, into those around you. This is your purpose. Everything is going according to plan. So now, you need to just go and be glad. So you can just all leave and just go be glad. But instead, Kaylin Martini, who we're going to welcome, is going to preach through the next part of our sermon. So little do you know that me and him have been working together on this. And he is going to come and join me on the stage. And me... I'm going to move my notes aside. Just leave my sheet there. You good? This man's got some great thoughts, so let's go.
0: Here's a question. Who has always been glad or happy with their life? From the moment you were born until now, if you think you have, you're mistaken every single person on this planet has at least some several hundred things they've been mad or sad about. This doesn't make us any less human, it makes us more. But when we're in these situations, we need to have, we need to remember to stop and pray to disdain our mood of gladness. I have, as you may have guessed, am here to talk to you on the topic of gladness. To remember to stay glad, just remember the acronym G-L-A-D. Now, you may be thinking, what is GLAD? GLAD means to give gratefulness to God, to lift our prayers to Him, to take action and obey Him, and to delight in Him. Over the next few minutes, I will be doing my best to explain what gladness means through the acronym GLAD. First, we're we'll starting off with the G, gratefulness, being thankful. Psalm nine, 9, verses 1 to 2 state, I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. I'll be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing the praises of your name, O Most High. For this part of the lesson, I'm going to ask a question that, through my experience, I haven't heard anyone ask before in this church. I'm going to ask you, when was the time you were super grateful for something? Now, will one or two people share what that is? Don't all talk at once. (laughs) Well, Thank you for sharing. Um, Can we have another one, please? Thank you for sharing. Okay, now everybody think about that thing you're super grateful for, even if you didn't speak aloud. And just for 20 seconds, pray and thank God for it. Okay, now... Why did we just pray? Why would we tell God that we're thankful when he already knows it? Is it because he doesn't know it? Is it because he wants us to show it. it? We will praise his name because he made us. We are created in his own image. He could have created us in a fish's image, but he created us in his. And that is why we thank him. All right, so next we'll be talking about L, which uh, stands for lift, to give or lift our problems up to God. The point of this one is to say that God is capable of everything and anything ever possible, but he wants us to tell him through prayer. Psalm 107, verse 28 to 32 says, Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them exalt him in the assembly of people and praise him in the council of elders. This verse means that the merchants that cried out to God could have been saved any time by God, but he wanted their prayer to save them. We see the same thing with Jesus and his disciples. Here's a video to illustrate that, and then...
2: When evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified, and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him.
0: Right. Now, that may have seemed like a weird video, but it tells us that God and Jesus want us to call on him so he can use his power to save us. So next we'll be talking about the A, which stands for action, obeying God. Psalm 40, verse seven and eight is an example of acting to obey God. Then I said, here I come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is in my heart. This psalm, like many of the others, is written by Cain David, and unlike many of his depressing psalms, this specific one is about how God is pulling David from the depths and mud and teaching him new poems and hymns. The mud in the depths is most likely referencing David's sins, and God is pulling him up to join him in heaven. And to thank God, David is obeying God's will. This verse doesn't just have to reference David, though. God is pulling all of us out of our sins so we can come up as new people. That's why we get baptized and celebrate Easter and thank God and read the Bible, to relate to other people that God has saved, like he has saved the Israelites over and over again, like in the desert with Joshua and Moses. Do you understand it now? The Bible isn't God's book. It's our book. All the stories relate to every single person in this church, the city, and on this planet. The other day I was thinking, and a thought occurred to me about Michelangelo's painting, The Creation of Adam. What if Adam... <laughs> What if Adam represents us and God is reaching down to grab our hand and pull us from our sins to join him in heaven? What if it relates to all of us, not just the Saskatoon or Canada or even North America, but people around the world, people who are slaves or homeless people or people just suffering, wondering if they'll survive the day or night or get to see another person again or if they get to talk to God again? Finally, we will be coming to the last letter, D, as in to be delightful in God as he is in us. Psalm 149, verse 2 to 4 says, O Israel, rejoice in your maker. O people of Jerusalem, exult in your king. Praise his name with dancing, accompanied by tambourine and harp. For the Lord delights in his people. He crowns the humble with victory. God is happy in us. He loves us more than anything he has created, and that is definitely saying a lot, since that he, he's created everything. One thing you should know about me is that I love superheroes, and one of my favorite new superhero movies is Avengers Infinity War. Have you seen it? <laughs> okay, well, spoiler alert if you haven't, because that wasn't ex- an exact measurement, but... <laughs> uh, did, didn't you notice that the people who turned to dust after Thanos snapped were mourned over by someone that took them for granted? Take the characters Rocket and Groot, for example. Rocket acts like he only cares about himself. He has a loyal partner named Groot who he treats like a pet. But suddenly, when Groot turns to dust, Rocket becomes compassionate and we realize that Rocket sees Groot not as a pet or a partner, but as a brother, and would do anything, even sacrifice his, uh, himself, to get his brother back. Another example from this movie is with Iron Man and Spider-Man. Iron Man is a rich and famous billionaire named Tony Stark. He builds a suit that allows him to fly and shoot electronic beans from his chest and arms. Unfortunately, like Rocket, he's not really kind or affectionate and only likes himself. He gave a 15-year-old a suit like his and named him Spider-Man, but doesn't pay much attention to what he's doing and ignores him quite often. When Spider-Man turns to dust, though, we realize that Tony is only looking out for him and sees himself as a father figure for Spider-Man and that he, too, would give his own life to bring him back. Sometimes we act the same way with God. We're selfish and ignore Him, and we take Him for granted. But without God, we'd all just be dust. If God would love us so much that He created us and made us alive out of dust, shouldn't we delight and be joyful in our lives and in God who made us? So this week, I challenge you to remember to be glad, to be grateful to lift your prayers to God, to take action and obey him, and to remember to delight in our creator and our creation, Pastor Yasmin. Okay.
1: I am am super, super, super grateful for you. You have to understand, I did not write any of that. I didn't even do the PowerPoint. I didn't do anything. He picked his videos. He did everything. You can go sit down. Thank you. That's what I'm talking about. There's our future leader, our soon-to-be preacher. So in closing tonight, I'm going to invite the worship band to come on back up. And as I close, I just kind of want to wrap it all up. I'm actually going to wrap up. To me, it almost seems like everything Pastor John's been talking about in the last year. Because if you think about it, we've talked about upward focus, inward focus, outward focus. We've learned that we need to... Um, think right, in order to act right, and we've been learning about praying the scriptures and how important and how life-changing that can be. And when I say inward focus, I'm saying that in comparison to gladness, because inward focus is when we're trying to conform into God's holiness. Outward focus is walking in that joy of gladness, loving others, serving others, being set apart. The upward focus, or the outward focus, sorry, the upward focus, I'm getting them all mixed up now, is now the joy and the gladness that comes from being in God's presence. And I want to share something that I found, written by Jonathan Edwards, from one of his sermons. And this was what the knowledge of God, his knowledge of God, and it really just kind of made me think. So God is the highest good of the reasonable creature. And the enjoyment of him is the only happiness with which our souls can be satisfied. To go to heaven, fully to enjoy God, is infinitely better than the most pleasant accommodation here. Fathers and mothers, husbands, wives, children, all the company of earthly friends are but a shadow. But the enjoyment of God is the substance. These are but scattered beams, but God is the sun. These are but streams, but God is the fountain. These are but drops, but God is the ocean. Like, wow. God desires you to be full of joy and gladness. You will find it only in him. And I challenge you to aim for it, to seek it, and just don't rest until you get a good measure of it. As you grow in in God's joy and gladness, he will be glorified in your life. People will see him through you. And, And what an honor that is. As John Piper puts it, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Let's stand and pray.
0: We know you enjoyed this
1: teaching from the Neighborhood Church from our Pine House location here in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. To touch base with us from anywhere in the world that you're listening, or maybe you're just at the gym or in your car, you can text the word Pine House to
0: 306-800-5296. There you can fill out our digital connect card. Or if you want to give it a distance, or maybe you've been working weekends or just can't make it to the city, text the initials TNC to 705
1: two three zero eighty nine seventy seven. Through that little portal you can give or tithe or even give to missions. For any more information about the Neighborhood Church, you can check us out online at theneighborhoodchurch.org. God bless you and have a great week.